All right, everybody. I hope you are having a great day wherever you're at. Austin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Been a while since we uh, chatted, but stoked to uh, chat, talk about the ecosystem a little bit. Um, and yeah, how are you doing? You've been building a data center. You've been building like, like, is that like an Amazon data center that you're building in your house right now? Apparently, it's more infrastructure than some companies have. I didn't quite know that, but I've been told that by two fairly large companies that work with uh, enterprise. I've seen a lot of data centers that are really, really big. I've seen companies that have data centers that span into the tens of racks very frequently. So I don't think of it as a full-fledged data center. I think of it more like a mini data center. I think after you get out of one or two racks, you probably are kind of there and you do have to start approaching things from a different mindset for building. So a lot of planning has to go into it. If I screw one thing up, it can have bad ripple effects that are going to, and I'm learning this firsthand right now, <laughs> bad, bad ripple effects that are like, okay, now I've got to deal with that gigantic problem because you can't just move essentially 6,000 pounds very easily. 6,000 pounds? So is that with hard drives fully filled pretty much all that good stuff? Uh, so the heaviest rack is the JBOD rack, and that's going to come in right at about 2,100 pounds when all of the hard drives are filled in it. And that is, uh, those are stupid heavy. Like getting the final one in up there was a definite challenge. I should not have actually like uh, addressed that challenge individually. I should have team lifted but team me got it in there. Uh, I will say that I am also like pretty bruised up. I don't see, know if you can see the bruise that I've got going there, but like it, it, it's been brutal. And that is the heaviest one. They go down to about, I would say 1500 is the other two. So that is a lot of wow. Weight. And so your, so your main plan with this is to basically have like your, your home networking, you want to plot to fill up hard drives that you're going to sell, right? What else do you plan on doing with it? Is that pretty much it? Uh, definitely not. I can't say all of the plans, but I yeah. actually am working with some people on some additional things that'll be very Ooh. exciting. Uh, the probably biggest thing is that there will be a lot of content around the Web3 focus uh, and the what can I do Web3 with my own resources? How can I earn with it? What can I make out of it? So there will be a multitude of ongoing running projects that happen in the data center. There's also aspects of what I, you know, my home networking is insane, but I, I would say this is not the level of home networking. As a matter of fact, that's probably the biggest criticism people like lot at me. They're like, you do not need that much infrastructure for home networking. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have a storage network. I've got it literally transmitting storage on block level over network. So, I mean, I've got a storage network also. So yeah, of course I need it. Uh, but you don't have to go this big. I am literally pushing the bounds of how big can I go in a household footprint? Again, this is just not utilizing electricity that would be outside the norm for a 200 amp service on a house. And I want to see what we can make happen with that. And there'll be a variety of topics also that cover things like TrueNAS, Unraid, how to scale those out, how they can interrupt at really high performance levels, and also dabbling into HPC. So doing some distributed compute and some distributed programming that might be able to tie those machines together through technologies like RDMA. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lots of words I don't know, but that sounds just incredible. I, um, yeah. I'm excited so, to see kind of how that comes into fruition once that's done. Um, yeah, it, super impressive. Some of it's going to like the cool part is I am learning on the fly with a lot of it. So I hit record literally and we learn together. Uh, that seems to be one of the go to's. I'm horrible at estimating and planning. So it has been a month and almost two weeks now that I've been building this out. 
I planned it actually going into this for a pretty good amount of time. Like I have, you know, topos, I have rack layouts, all those are on like version four now. So everything's pivoted significantly. Constructions like that and building, once you start building walls and permanent, you know, infrastructure, you, you're like, oh, I got to change things. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like I didn't do a good enough job on the planning phase still. So mm. yeah, there's lessons learned here. I've got a document that I'm going to go over, which is the costs and lessons learned of doing all of this. So that breakdown is going to be ridiculous. I, it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but worth it. Hopefully. But worth it. Yeah, but worth it. Uh, I've got to also say, like, I don't advocate for people to necessarily scale out a Chia operation in exactly this fashion. This is not super optimized for if you were just growing Chia. I mean, yeah. one rack, I can hit about 8.6 petabytes. It's a fuck load, right? But <laughs> if you're scaling out, uh, you would probably want to go with actually more dense JBODs than what I've got is probably one of the good ways to go. You have to do a cost balance. And I've got a lot of sheets that talk about that. That I've got a rack TCO sheet that I'm going to be releasing to people. It is really a very difficult sheet to consume. I actually need to have you look at it uh, and see if we can make something a little bit easier and user friendly. But rack TCO is something that you would want to consider with Chia and making the cost balance of it as efficient as you can is something that's big. And I have some measurements now that I can baseline off to say this looks like wattage. And so much now comes down to wattage and the efficiency of wattage in your density of operations that I think that's actually elevated for me on the level of concerns from even like four or five months ago to the number two spot. So TCO, that's total cost of ownership, right? Yeah. I feel like most people don't really talk about TCO, but it's probably one of the most important things I would say with like when it comes to farming at this scale, right? It, it is. And so I think the other thing is, you know, Chia is meant to be literally run in a specific fashion. And so when you're looking at like your total cost of ownership, you have to say, what is ongoing op costs and how you scale out has a big impact on ongoing op costs. And some of the things that we saw early on on Chia, people FOMOing into drives over 20 terabyte or $20 per terabyte. For instance, I kept running polls. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Uh, I do have a few of those, but it's all right. I, I kept running polls and asking people, what prices do you think are good? This was like last year uh, for buying hard drives at. And I was very careful not to recommend this because I have prior experience in crypto and I knew you overspend on crypto hardware. Very, very difficult to recoup it. And even people now getting, you know, looking at their GPU operations, they're experiencing the same because they overpaid at peak prices for GPUs. Yep. Literally, unless you got in when GPUs were at retail or near retail, you overpaid for GPUs. People with like 50 GPU operations are lucky if they walked out after they've, you know, sold off, depreciated all of the like expenses they can, and then look at their profit under $10,000. That's depressing. That is one of the reasons I did not get back into GPU farming this time around is because I knew I've already missed the window on getting low cost hardware. And it just is impossible if you miss that window. Yeah, 100%. And going back, I wish I would have gotten more used hardware. But I mean, hard drives were selling out. There was so much FOMO. And luckily, even though I did invest in, you know, um, 
over $20 a terabyte for some of my drives. I was able to break even, which I consider myself the lucky minority. Um, but I mean, at the time, if you were blocking and you were buying those drives at those prices, it was profitable. But, but the problem is, is that people were buying those and if, and they weren't blocking and there was no pools yet. And it's like, it, it was just not good. And then the net space just continued to increase and it just got harder and harder to block. So yeah, I mean, it pretty tough. Um, well, I don't, I think I, you, you like to knock yourself as not being like super Chia, but everybody that made Bainnet with size of any size, kudos to them because they got there with the OG plotter and OG plotter was, <laughs> that was difficult. That was rough. It was like, you'd go back and check like in the middle of the night, like a baby. And it'd be like, I died. It's like, God, (laughs) I got to fucking restart it. So I mean, kudos to everybody that OG plotted. The OG plotter was legit, like art skill to make that thing work and not crash and optimize. That was always the thing you wanted to be like, I got to optimize it. And you're like doing all these parallel plots at the same time. So it's like, Hmm, can I add so much fun? It was yeah, so it was. much fun. I, really I, I love that. And I was like married to my computer, figuring out how to optimize my plots per day. I had like all of it laid out. Um, but it was really good. But speaking about plots, Keybase yeah. just kind of fired off. I think, I think storage JM, um, was talking about an optimized plot. Is this <clears> some <throat> alpha that we're dropping here? I think this is fairly alpha. So if you look at the product board portal, can you pull that up real quick so people can yeah. see that? Uh, the most, this is this is interesting, the most voted on thing here that has, I guess, you know, the, the little uh, people. This is Q3? This is Q1 2023. Okay. Yes. And it's at, uh, yeah. It's at the bottom there. Ooh, yeah, I see it. You see right. eight? Eight people have interacted with that. The most important thing still to people in Chia is the impacts that you're going to see on plotting their operations. This is where people's focus still heavily is because Chia still is. Look at you. <laughs> I need to put like, in an, I, an I need to put in an email address, but I'm I'm not going to do that right now. But yeah. Yeah, uh, but people are still definitely motivated the most in my estimation. By farm operations, their farm operations, and being farmers. That is the biggest group or cohort of people in Chia at the moment. So we don't have NFTs having critical mass of people that is greater than that. We don't have DeFi at all, really, essentially, for the most part. Uh, We don't have bridges. We don't have oracles. So I think when we see plot format 2.0, and with what I just read, replotting being something that is coming as a part of that, that tells me new plot structure, uh, which if you... And a lot of people in the audience may not have gone back and uh, actually ran no SSD, which I totally understand. And I mean, it's not that the tech doesn't work. It's that the personality behind the tech that launched it just was like, I, I, are you going to really marry that person? I wouldn't have married that person is what it came down to yep. in my estimation, especially being tied to a single pool little too much risk involved with that. But there is something to be said for plot format 2.0, the no SSD tech, the optimizations that went into it being actually very revolutionary. There is a Hellman-esque aspect of it. So there probably is going to be some portion of compute that is dedicated towards that. The plot, the actual plotting itself for no SSD is a different plotter. So it is essentially a different plotter that creates the different plot format files. So that is a replotting vector. This is why when I'm plotting drives for people, 
I leave enough space for a plot at the end of each drive. Eventually, hopefully we can come up with a script that deletes a plot as the next plot's being written so that you can still maintain space optimization during X replotting or whatever is going on here. Yeah, 100%. And so with this plot 2.0 format, we're talking about a 20% improvement in plot compression, which means that it's going to be 20% smaller. I have a feeling that this is going to feel a lot like the OG days where, you know, I mean, if like the faster that you can plot, you can, there's a lot of gains available to those who can plot really fast. I mean, it's 20% and most, I would argue that most is like most of the net space probably won't replot just because it's kind of cumbersome. They don't want to replot. Will, I think it'll only be about 60% though. I don't think that we'll see more than 50 to maybe just, I think it's going to be more than 50%. That's my prediction. That's, that's a fair take. But I think that there is an opportunity. The faster you replot, you can earn more quicker. Um, exactly. And I'm going to try and figure out how to do that. Um, but I'm excited for it. That's, that's I know. We, we don't know what we just know a rough quarter and like it could be at the end of quarter one 2023 so i don't think that it's a wise thing to be like i'm not going to farm during this time or i'm going to forgo farming during this time because again 2024 what happens happening so if you're in accumulation mode you want to accumulate right so that's my thought on it is keep building up your bags while you're waiting for whatever comes down the pipeline with plot format 2.0 this does this. I even mentioned this because I started suspecting it when I saw saw twenty percent dropped in this. I was like twenty percent. That sounds a lot. <laughs> no SSD. I was like, oh, if it's like no SSD tech, and I know that they had talked about doing some of the optimizations. There's bigger implications because no SSD is not like you set it in. It's not the it's not the same Chia software ops that you're used to currently. So I think that we will see something pretty pretty interesting here. I don't know how this scales out to people that have OG plots. I think a lot of the people that will not replot are like H pool, OG pool. I mean, if you got OG plots by now, you probably have given up on replotting already and you're like, whatever. So those people probably have a performance disadvantage. Uh, my actual other question is, is 20% and people may not realize this unless they ran the no SSD software. And I was lucky that one of the channel members, Mike, is just like an awesome, you know, HPC, like really like genius. Uh, and so we were able to isolate and run no SSD in a controlled environment and do some analysis on it. Uh, you can actually get better than 20% sometimes. It, it, there's, wow. a, there's a balance there. So like, it could be bigger. Who knows? Uh, well, it does, say greater than 20%. it does say greater <laughs> than 20%. It does say greater than 20%. So I know. I know. So I'm like, yeah, I think there's a lot to digest right there. That's why when I did the video, this is actually the impetus between the should I replot K32 to K33, 34, 35. If you're plotting for the first time, I think plot to optimize, but at the same time, there's extra energy required. So you would want to be very cautious about what you, because I think the lifespan of anything you plot right now could be short. I think there's a, a shortness to that. And so is K32 safe? I think it, K32 is absolutely safe. And I think that they have enough handles to adjust, even if K32 ever had a vector, that they could say, we're going to change this. Uh, and it would essentially make it much more difficult for whatever vector got opened up there. So I don't think K32 is going away. A lot of yeah. people were like, Are, I'm, I'm, why would I replot? And I'm like, 
did you watch the video or did you just come and type in the comments uh, reading the title? Like you should not reply in my estimation at all unless it's to maximize usage of space. That's the only thing that matters at this point in time. In my estimation, maximizing usage of space as much as possible on any hard drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. So I guess we'll have to wait and see um, about that. But, um... you know, the 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 part of this that's good possibly is if it happens during a cold part of the year, uh, ancillary like heating from it, it could be reused in households. It's not going to have that big of an impact necessarily for people that are like in the middle of the summer and hot environments like Texas, like so I, I don't know if we're going to see it happen early in quarter one, but or quarter one, 2023, I hope it's early in quarter one, 2023, when it's still cold. Mm-hmm. That's the best time to plot if you got to do plotting. Yeah. I, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, it could be in January, which is kind of cold. So uh, you're, you're in California. So everything's beautiful there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like when is it bad? Austin? Well, I guess wildfires are bad. But aside from that, like it's pretty damn nice there. Uh, but the rest of the world that doesn't have just this gorgeous climate. Uh, yeah. Then I think you probably would be hoping for the early on. I also have to say, I think that this is critical that they do. They have to maintain par equity with the market space out there. If they don't maintain par equity with what the market space is doing, there is huge implications. People eventually probably do start going to no SSD private label stuff. Who knows? Like, I mean, there could be other people that gain advantage. So I think that there is a large impetus to make this happen. And I think that this is net net going to be a good thing for the ecosystem because it proves the adaptability of the technology of proof of space and time is resilient because even with this 20% advantage, it's not like the people that have the OG plots just stop earning. It's just, they stop earning at X additional percentage if they're unwilling to plot. So it again goes back to the individual. And that is like, when you talk about the differences between tech, like Chia tech versus everything else out there to my knowledge, like that is a big L1. Ethereum now, 51% censorship capabilities from the MEV, and MEV boosts. Like yeah. it, 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 Chia does not have this going forward. Chia is, they saw this, they tea-leaved it, they called it right. I mean, Bitcoin, I, it's just a matter of time until the pools, which is where the consensus formation happens before we have stratum V2, the pools are going to be forced to have a, a consensus that, that, hey, these are blocks that are OFAC compliant. So yeah. I think that Chia is going to maintain and adapt to the tech very well because they called it early and they went into it like with the formation of the consensus block here. It's at the individual level. So unless I'm doing it literally on my own operations to boost, you know, fees or something, it's very, very difficult to do, especially in this type of a model. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's move on from plotting and farming and everything. How, how are your operations, by the way? How is your very pretty cabinet doing? Getting a little dusty. I need to, I need to probably um, reorganize I need, like, I do need more cable management and I want to like clean it really well. Um, so is there something that you've added recently to it? No, I have not added really anything. I mean, other than when I switched back to farming on my Mac, um, I haven't done anything. Um, and I don't really foresee myself adding more to it. Um, and I'm not talking about hard drives. I'm talking about safety gear here. No. I need an uh, UPC. Is that what it's called? UPS. UPS. See, I don't even know what it's called. I need that. Um, I mean, but it's 
it's it's still going okay, but fingers crossed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you just got uh, it all dangling off that one circuit there. You are a brave individual. I love you for that. But tell me this, how is farming on the Mac going? You are six months in now, I believe, right? Yeah, so it's going well, but there's one weird thing that keeps on happening. And I think, I honestly think that this is due to um, a power thing. But sometimes some of the drives will just like stop being connected. So all of a sudden, a few drives will just um, not really register on the Mac. And um, then I have to like, I think it's just like this. Okay. So then the only fix that I can do for it is like turn everything off except my Mac. I can leave that on, but I have to unplug all my drives um, and then plug and then uh, turn them all back on. And then it generally fixes it. Um, But the problem that I have with it is that I don't know when it's, like when that happens. So I have to like be monitoring on a daily basis. Hasn't happened as of recently. Um, but I think it, it relates to electricity actually, because when it was a lot hotter, we were running some AC units, um, you know, some like portable ones. And it seemed to happen more when those were running. So. Are you going to get a UPS and protect your incredible well, the air conditioners, drives? The, the air conditioners are put away. They're not in use anymore, and I haven't had the problem since. So we'll see. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, my God. Oh my God you're so risky. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're going to be in Austin soon, and I'm looking forward to meeting up with you and Dusty. We probably will try to film something uh, if we can all get together at the same time. That sounds like a really cool video to have all. So you guys are coming in for F1. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, go to Formula One every year. We've we've gone every year since the first race in Austin, uh, just me and my dad. And so it's cool to, you know, have a little mini Chia meetup. Um, And so that should be really fun. Yeah. So stay tuned for that video. Yeah, definitely. And if you're in the Austin area, maybe we can all meet up together at some place. We'll get some more details as that gets closer and closer here. So, uh, yeah, what else is on the ecosystem going on? We've got NFTs. uh, We've got Dexy Bucks. Like I wanted to talk to you about that and okay. like, I really don't necessarily understand a hundred percent Dexy Bucks yet. Uh, and what, what are your, your take on Dexy Bucks? Yeah, I think Dexy Bucks is really interesting. It's like, first off, it's like the, the, it's the number one, um, cat token on Dexy right now. Like if you like look it up, um, I think how they like to format it is by how much is being offered, um, as bids. So they like to say, hey, how much XCH is locked up? Um, uh, and they kind of um, organize it like that. And so Dexybox is number one by a, by a steep margin. It just passed stably, I think, maybe a week ago. Um, so without a doubt, there's a lot of um, like volume around there. There's a lot of hype, I think, around Dexybox. Um, and it's the first true cat, I think, that has like like a real world use case, I think. Um, now, I say that lightly because... I like, I think the main purpose of Dexy Bucks is basically, um, if you own it, once there's AMMs, I think Dexy, um, is going to be distributing out, um, the AMM fees as rewards to Dexy Bucks holders. I think this is also Dexy's, um, I think, uh, uh, monetization strategy is that mm-hmm. is that since they own a large portion of Dexy Bucks, um, they will be getting a large portion of the fees, right? Um, yeah. So so I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to monetize what they're doing. Um, now, they said that they wouldn't sell Dexy Bucks for money. 
um, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, and I think that well, they would they, lose their ownership stake, right? If they sold the Dexy bucks, they would not be in control essentially of their own operations. So correct. there's a danger there. If they do start selling Dexy bucks, like, yeah. are they, are they out? Like, but I, I don't think they're actually going to do that. It sounds like in reading what they wrote recently, did you read the thing where they talked about the team, the co- cohesion between the team and like, I did together for a really long time in software development so they can have like a really rapid iteration cycle. I think it's very bullish on Dexy that they've got such a good team behind them. I was always kind of of the opinion that it was one individual, uh, but it's me too. So that is, and they're killing it. I mean, they came out of nowhere. There was like no real hype when they first launched. Um, and all of a sudden they were a thing. And I'm like, Oh, okay, let's see this. Cause I think when cats first came out, there was, I think, um, hash green was like the first major, um, uh, decks to launch with Chia. Um, and you know, I used hash green mostly, but I mean, Dexy just feels a lot cleaner. Um, you know, I think that there needs to be Wait, multiple did you say Dexes. You use hash green mostly currently. No, 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 no. Back, back in the day. So oh, back, back when, day, back yeah, when yeah. cats kind of first launched, um, hash green was my main source. And then when Dexy came around, I started using that a little bit more and more. Um, and I really like how, how, how just Dexy is laid out. Um, and yeah, I haven't used hash green in, I, I couldn't tell you how long. And folks, if you're interested in reading the article, it was an interview done by XCH Central JM. And uh, that it was a good article. It was a great. It was article. a really good article. And he asked a lot of really great questions. And the answers that he got back were actually really insightful into what's going on at Dexy. So overall, very bullish on that. And I know recently some NFT projects have actually been selling. And this is one of the cool things in Chia is you can say, hey, I want to sell in one of the ancillary cats instead of Chia. So people have been selling like the honk program or the honk project. The Alpha Gooses. The Alpha Gooses has sold with DBX as the initial launch token. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and I, I see think it's really the, cool. The currently offered is 58 XCH. The currently offered on USDS stably is 46. Space Bucks is 34. So we have actually a pretty decent spread of them being the most value that is being offered to be transacted on the exchange at this moment. So that's really cool. Do offer files propagate across all of the platforms? Or if I'm not mistaken, they go to a IPFS system and then they all pull mutually from that. Is that does that sound right or is that not right? I think some of them like like it's not every single one like i know sky nft since they're a little bit more centralized um like if you were to post an offer on dexy it's not going to go to sky nft or like whatever um but i mean i don't i I don't know if you post an offer on dexy and also post a hash screen i i I think they're separate there but i think offer pool or something like that like one of the other like um ancillary dexes i think it is has yeah PFS backend or something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they, I think Dexy utilizes one of those mm-hmm. um, services, but regardless, um, I think Dexy's probably the, just the number one way to go. Um, I think one thing that I would like to see with Dexy in terms of NFT trading is it's interesting. Um, I feel like with NFTs, you're trading pictures, right? And when you look at um, the NFT market and let's say you were to go into Chia Friends, for example, you know, you're seeing almost like a list and it's kind of hard to see the photo unless you're hovering over the actual image. I like, I think I would love to see the photo be bigger so that, you know, you can more browse in a more user-friendly way because, you know, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get a picture. Um, and so it's like kind of hard to see the picture mode option for the view. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's a great idea, actually. Because it is. It's like a little like, and, and on mobile especially, like I use Dexia on mobile a lot. Yeah. And like, it's like, <laughs> I, you're having to zoom in and stuff. Yeah. I think I might drop that in the suggestions in their uh, Discord. Um, that That's a good idea. idea. And we'll link to all of this stuff in the description below, folks. So check there. Uh, let's talk Farmer's Market because he recently has been working on some stuff that I saw last night was coming out. And why don't we talk about this also? Because this is a good primer for people that are trying to understand the differences between ranking options. So we now have statistical rarity. Which, I mean, statistical rarity to me has always felt like a, a formula. Then we have rarity score, which seems to actually, for some reason, my brain thinks like that. Can you get a little bit more into why that might be? Yeah, so I don't know the exact calculations for this. So I just want to preface with that. I think, um, you know, I was looking at Farmer's Market and I was looking at Chia Friends, actually. And, uh, you know, I was toggling between rarity Why don't score. You show the display really quick so people can yeah. see where we're talking about it. Because by default, it's going to stay on statistical rarity for now. Um, and then rare, selecting rarity score, you have to do from like the little drop down on the side. Yeah, so, so much say, advancements here from John, who hats off. Awesome. Rapid iteration. Lots of design. Yeah, work. John, I, I'm always so impressed by how clean this looks, um, how user friendly it is. This provides, I feel like, so much value to the community and just kind of understanding like, hey, so how rare is my NFT? Right. Um, so, yeah. So if you were just to go to farmersmarket.cc, uh, you can scroll down here and go to Chia Friends. You, you can also go to Explore Collections and you can see all the different uh, collections that have been listed. John lists all these, I think, by hand. So, you know, lots of um, work that has gone involved uh, or that has gone into building this. But if we're in Chia Friends, we can see this ranking option here once it loads. Give it a sec here. And it defaults to statistical rarity. This is what it's been since the beginning um, of Farmer's Market. Uh, I'm pretty sure Chia Friends was one of the first listings. It's always been a, a statistical rarity. Rarity score is new, right? Um, and so I, I'm pretty sure now there's an article on this that I want to link in the description that goes into significantly more detail. I was talking with John a little bit about this, um, and, and this is kind of where he was... Um, kind of pulling his ideas from. Um, but what it seems like is this rarity score seems to be more of the industry standard. Now, why don't is, we select a trait and then run the differences? So why don't we pull in the umals uh, for tan really quick and then run the differences so we people can see the impact of these differences out there. All right, let's do that. You want to tan? Yeah. All right. So we have UTAN. We have rarity score right now, you know, and, and when we're looking at this, you know, it's pretty decently ranked uh, when we're looking at some of the top ones. Um, let's just toggle back and forth really quick. Yeah. So you see the difference in the top ranked one based upon the hieroglyph that it's displaying immediately going to the bow. So that feels different, right? Like, doesn't it feel different to you? It definitely does. And I, I think what it, what it, what it really does is it kind of like says, okay, so this one, this is a 0.14% of Chia friends have this type of background. And mm -hmm. I think it, it gives a little bit more weight to things that are a lot more rare, the statistical rarity aspect of things versus rarity score. This is saying that it's not as rare based upon the rarity score. 
right? Right. Um, so the outliers are less of an outlier, less of a large weight on the algorithm that is being used. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. So one thing I think that actually might um, kind of illustrate this is I want to look at the, let's see, uh, cactus gold. Okay. Now I'm biased on, on gold cactuses. This is obviously Folks, my, my he is a cactus gold owner. So this, this could just be him pumping bag. Let's say that. <laughs> I think, I think it, 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 it really kind of paints a really good picture. Um, because if you, so on rarity score, these are super rare. Um, now there's only 10 gold cactuses in the whole 10,000 collection. Okay. Um, that's not a lot to me. That sounds pretty rare. Now, if we go to statistical rarity, we see all of these figures jump significantly higher. Right. And when you, and when we're looking at these individual traits, you know, on, on its own, it might not be too, it might not be too impressive, but when you're looking at like, we have a gold cactus, this is super rare. How is something that's this rare? 2000. Number two, 2,200, right? Yeah. Um, and so when we look at rarity score, all of these jump into the top 100. Um, now, I, I like I do want to caveat that like rarity is subjective. Um, you know, people oftentimes make buying decisions based upon what they think the rarity is. Um not financial advice at all. Um, you know, there's, there's multiple ways of, and there's even more calculations of how you can calculate rarity. Um, but I think that rarity score paints a better picture. Um, because this makes a lot more sense lines with what you expect on the whole aggregate when you're looking at the complete set of something and it's actual like distribution of X in that. Yeah. And I do want to also say that I'm not an expert on rarity. So I do want to reference the link below in the description of the Medium article that kind of talks a little bit about the different types of rarities and the calculations there. Um, but yeah, so this is great. I absolutely love this. I think that 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 purchasers and buyers of NFTs um, should have access to as much information as possible when kind of considering, okay, what do I get? And I think that this gets us closer to saying, hey, here's all the information you need to make a decision that makes the most sense for you. Um, so I love this. I love what John does. Um, you know, keep building, John. I love it. I love the it. Carne Mouth one. Carne Mouth? Which one's that one? We, uh, there's one for sale right now for 35XCH. In rarity score number 88, in statistical rarity number 1081. So, those so are you going to get that one? Differences. Like, are you, are you going to get that one? 35XCH for 1081? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I would. Would I pay a thousand, would I pay 35XCH for a top 100? Top 100? Like that changes the, make, that just changes the game. Like that, that is the, I, and it honestly looks like a top 100 to me, but that's just my take on it. So like, it seems yeah. to align better with what my brain expects. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And, and you, so I paid 20 XCH for my golden boy. Now yeah. it was listed at around 30, 35 or 40 or something like that. And I ended up actually bidding that down. Um, most do of my tell people how to bid down. Cause I don't think people know how to do that yet. I don't know how to do that yet. So yeah, if you're in the Chia client, you go into offers and you create a NFT offer, a 
XCH for NFT offer. Um, and when kind of going through that process, um, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I'm going to lock up this XCH and I'm going to say, hey, I want this NFT and hopefully that person sees it. That's the, that's the, the struggle with bidding is that you don't know if they're going to see it or not. You can't message them. You don't know who owns it. You might if you, like if it's associated with a DID, but likely not. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got lucky when I posted my bid, um, you know, and we were kind of going back and forth. I would upload an offer and then he'd counter it immediately. And I was like, okay, we're having some fun here. Um, and so I, I would recommend bidding. I think that bidding is highly underrated. Most of my Chia friends that I currently own that are in my DID now, actually, yeah, most of them I got because I bid. I, like I bid for them. They were listed for something for some amount. I bid a little bit lower and someone took the offer. And so that's how I have most of my chief friends that I do now. Highly recommend it. Um, especially like it's an opportunity to also save money on purchasing a chief friend. Right. And so that's important. If you are going to buy any sort of an NFT is consider the fact that you may end up just holding something that has very little value in the long term. I know that uh, my purchases of NFTs, I've, I've not done a good job of flipping anything. So I'm just long on all of it. I've tied up a lot of XCH into NFTs at this point. Would you, would you uh, put a number on that? No. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot. It's Are you happy with your purchases or do you feel like, um, tell me more about that. I'm just curious. So I, I think the psychology of FOMO works on me. Does that make sense? The psychology that totally of FOMO. makes sense. Psychology of FOMO works on me. You, and like the PLA was the beginning of uh, you've got a problem. Like, honestly, where is NFT rehab group for me? <laughs> this one is probably what I need. Like I, I need to check into some DJ anonymous or something. But yeah, so the psychology of FOMO works on me. And I do love art. I like, here's the weird thing. So I purchase art in the real world. I have like mm-hmm. actual pieces of oil paintings and real art in the real world. And like number go up on that. You know what I mean? Like you buy something with some provenance, it's probably going to number go up. However, if I were to go to Target and buy a piece of art, number does not go up. <laughs> like, so there's a difference in a balance that makes sense. I just have failed to abstract that and apply it to NFTs because each one is unique. And you might think to yourself, ah, each one's unique. So number go up, but that does not play out really. That just does not play out. And I think that is the importance between like a statistical and like a rarity score is the alignment of what is probably going to be perceived by other individuals in a common framework. And I guess that's how reality is created if we think about it. So a shared common reality, and that's probably why a lot of people, I mean, a lot, a lot of people probably would have my viewpoint on, I've lost a lot of money on NFTs or I've just, I mean, I haven't lost it until I sell it. So yeah. There. Is it uh, losing yeah. or are you just spending money on something that you wanted? Yeah. So, I mean, I got better about doing that. And so like all the Chia Reapers I have are super dope and I really like them. Wait, no, 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 no. I FOMO'd into one of the contests. <laughs> there I am lying. Like I FOMO'd into one of the contests and I bought some that I was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have bought that Chia Reaper elsewise, but I was trying to win a five XCH prize. It was a pretty substantial XCH prize. Yeah. yeah. It was a little scavenger hunt. I think it was pretty fun. I ended up buying a, like a few as well for it. Did you win? I don't think I did. I don't remember. I don't remember you winning. <laughs> I, think you <laughs> I don't think I won. Yeah. But there was a FOMO aspect. So like FOMO works. Uh, like 
I've bought a lot of things that I just like. Like recently, I did buy some of the honk things from Foods, and I just like those. I I would say early on, I bought some stuff that I didn't quite realize was Kangan. Um, So my Austin City Illusions, you know, maybe 5XCH wasn't a good purchase price for that. Mm -hmm. I also kind of was like, let's get a video out and let's find one that doesn't have a license associated with it. And that one fit the bill very nicely. So I was like, I can use this as a demonstration piece. Did I overspend on it? Am I going to get that money back? No. So there's a lot of lessons learned there. I don't like to buy things that I like. There's a psychology of you feel bad when you buy something and you're not going to make your money back and you just know it. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've definitely curtailed my spending on NFTs like dramatically recently as a result of these realizations. And like you actually talked me off. Like I was like, Oh my God, I need to do all these things. And like, I tried to list some for sale and like, they just didn't sell. And I was like, you know, it's going to be a, like, I've already purchased them with, crypto so like i've already got a tax thing there like am i gonna create more of a tax thing by like realizing in the same year like the sale of <laughs> like this it's like it's not worth it but yeah probably north of 50 xeh tied up i'll just say fit more than 50. yeah i mean i i like your comment about like target art versus like real art i i think that that is super interesting yeah. um I think that 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 like hit hit me in my heart um, in just thinking about it, I'm like, OK, are we are we buying Target art? Is that what we're doing? Right. Like, because h- how much is a piece of art at Target? Right. Fourteen ninety nine or something. Twenty four ninety nine. Like it's it's just commodity retail good versus something that when you buy real art has provenance, has soul. And this is what she is really trying to focus on. I get this from when I talk to Seth. I get this from when I talk to like uh, Eming. Like they want the provenance aspects to be front and center in what your purchase decisions are and to bring, and they are building the frameworks for that provenance in the digital art space that is better than anybody else. So that that is one of the reasons that still, regardless of whether I tie up a bunch of XEH that I'm not going to get back in NFTs, like I still like the aspect of it that I am helping facilitate an ecosystem that is creating incentives for artists to see. Yeah. And I would say if you are an artist in the Chia ecosystem, you probably feel actually fairly well incentivized with the way things have gone so far in nfts so that encourages more people that might not traditionally get in to get in and we get weird projects that like i'm absolutely in love with chi chi like there's a halloween chi chi thing coming up i'm just like i want one i know i want one and i think thematically having projects that do things around holidays is like amazing and i think there's going to be some stuff i know that there was uh put your orange reaper uh i saw that too yeah so, I mean, glad I had that. I mean, as a matter of fact, the number of dumb things that I've bought that have turned into airdrops of things that I actually like, uh, like who would think that buying like 50 plus uh, Hardy Boys all over that? <laughs> all over that. <laughs> what the hell was I thinking? I to, like all that airdrop of additional Nandies. So now I've got, and I really like the Nandies. Uh, and that is going to play into something that's actually really cool. In the short term, I've got something in the mail. I got something in the mail. It's going to be here soon. And we're going to be cry cutting ourselves some stickers for folks. It's going to be fucking awesome. You bought hard drives. Guess what you're going to get? And they're unique. I got some more unique artwork. Yeah. NFTs? They're, they're, they're hardy boys. You've never seen them before. And they're going to be stickers being sent out to people. I love that. That's so fun. 
Yeah. And so I'm sure that there'll be more things like that. And I think the tie-in, if you are an artist in the NFT ecosystem, to ongoing things like that is important to explore because the creation of a community, the fostering of that community and the ongoing what happens next, if you can keep those things going, you can create a value proposition that people really, really are interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, Avoid the target art, though. Got to avoid the target art. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that unless in, in unless in um, like it's it's really difficult, I think, to make money uh, with Chia NFTs, I think, in general. I think um, any NFT is going to be really difficult, especially Chia, because Chia thin. Like Chia is so thin. We don't have tens of thousands of people like I think PVP. We talked about this recently. We did. What, 100, 100, 100 people <laughs> PVP on most NFT projects? Yeah, I'd say maybe 200 at like the absolute most. Um, you know, I think people might see some volume going on on a project and might FOMO into one or two. Um, but I, I think it's it's a lot of PVP. Um, and, you know, it's it's I think that for you to successfully trade a pro like a project it has to sell out and you know we've talked about this before like there's not a lot of project that like completely sell out um and that's a big hurdle to trying to create volume and drive demand and all this stuff it's just it's just extremely hard um yeah it's just such a small ecosystem but i think that's okay um you are know you i a CFO or are you a chia friend i am chia foe <laughs> you're chia foe oh yeah i knew it no, i'm i'm trying to figure out who chia foes is um i think I, we all know who chia foes is really though you know i thought i did and then i asked and then i'm like oh actually it's probably not but so, are they gonna tell you if you ask them and they're keeping it a secret like that's i don't know like a bad idea for somebody trying to keep a secret <laughs> i would say so um but you know i i think the chia foes is really interesting um you know, I there was some updates last night in a Chia space on Twitter that Seth was talking about. I did not get to attend that space, but I was reading some possible things like you actually you may be able to remix your own Chia friend with the is that your takeaway? The traits that it has or is it just remixing that specific one? Because Chia foes, if you folks are not aware, are a remix that they plan on fairly uh, like a fair distribution. They say fair distribution. I'm challenging them that, because like when they said fair distribution and then they like launched a Google sheet, I was like, bitch, please like tell yeah. me how that fair distribution that not fair distribution, like do something novel like come on, you can traverse the blockchain, you can do an airdrop of NFTs to people who have NFTs in their wallet. And that is something you can do with the tech that Chia has released. So I love to like laud those challenges out there at people. But yeah, I don't know necessarily Chia foes, Chia friends, how the licensing is going to work. It sounds like they're working something out. So that's good. Whatever it is, it sounds like they are working something out. Yeah, I think Seth has mentioned something about um, updated licensing to allow for more creativity around the the Chia friends that you that you own. Um, I, I also did not listen to the space as well. So this is hearsay. Um, I think that um, that space was not recorded. So I don't know 100 like I. I can't go back and confirm this, um, but I think that the um, one space we should have been in. I know, literal one space we should have been in. Yeah. I couldn't make it. I wish I could, but uh, but you know, I think that it's interesting what they're doing with GFOs. I think it's an interesting derivative, um, and it, depending on how this, I think that the distribution can make or break this project it's because going it, to, in my yeah, yes, yeah. and and if it doesn't. Um, 
If it doesn't go well, I think the project flops. It also depends on how much royalties they're going to be charging. It also depends on who's getting that royalty. The idea of royalties for this. To be honest with you, what I if it goes to a charity? I'm still. I mean, is it my right to launch and say I'm going to use XX? for another like i i'm kind of opposed to it that's one of my biggest sticking points is when they started talking about royalties i became chia friend well i mean i was already a chia friend but i became even more chia friend at that point so i was like no i'm on the friend side of this like i don't see it necessarily i like the idea of factions to be honest with you also because it's engagement farming and mm-hmm. rumor has it this guy is into youtube and so engagement farming something i like so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't mind if they did royalties um, and donate it to a charity. I think there was maybe some talk around potentially burning the royalties because the royalties are important because it helps with wash trading. So there needs to be some fee associated with it or cost to trading it. But again, I think that the Chiafos is going to really resonate Wait, tell with me people. How they burn it? Can you tell me that? So the royalty address can be sent to the burn address. There's a burn address for NFTs. You can send Chia and cats to that address as well. Um, no one has those keys. out of supply, but it does not have the address. Nobody has the keys. You're sure about that? Because it doesn't actually Hopefully. destroy it, right? Because it'll it doesn't be destroy. Accountable. It does yeah, not it'll destroy. Be accountable. So it's not really burning yeah, in you- the sense that it's still there. Yeah, it's you just, can't going to pile up somewhere. Correct. Yes. But I so I mean, I, again, I don't know. This is just what what people were talking about. But um, I, I think that the Chia foes are going to resonate with people that felt burned by Chia friends, um, yeah. which I think is a fair take. I think some there's a there's a uh, a, a subset of a, of a community that feels like, you know what, like they didn't do this right, which is a fair take. Um, but, you know, I. I think that we'll see it how it goes hard for them to do the thing that I talked about, the secure, the bag, traverse the blockchain, see who have NFT, uh, secure the bag, airdrop them, see if they open it, pull it from an IP address that is on a server that you own, recurse that, and then separate out the multiples of IP addresses, and then assume that that's your actual NFT using audience in Chia. That is what I challenge uh, anybody actually out there that if you want to airdrop a project, do that because that is fair distribution anything like less than that i don't think is going to be fair distribution if you are counting on international speaking people to know seriously english-centric twitter and seriously small english-centric twitter that is chia nftville like that's a small subset of the world that's really on twitter hitting just that and like there's so many people that are left out of that equation Mm -hmm. i don't like the word fair distribution being used for that i don't think that that's Actually, that's that's Twitter centric distribution is what happens there. True. But then there's also this balance of like, okay, so how many people are still farming, but they don't even know what a Chia NFT is, right? And then And that's why you have to do the second part, which is airdrop an initial NFT and then have that be on a logged server that yourself that you can actually see that image got pulled. Because until you open up the NFT wallet, that image will not get pulled by somebody. So airdrop an NFT, give it 30 days. In 30-day window, people actually opened up their Chia client and went to the NFT tab, and this image got pulled by this IP address as something that you can associate. And then you can say, that IP address belongs to this in a, this Chia address, and that's the person to airdrop to. So that is. That's super. I did not know that. That's actually, so win clawback is what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I guess there's bigger implications for sure. I mean, 
I think isn't clawback like 2020 like it, it's it's kind of too far out for this I feel like yeah yeah I don't think you don't even need clawback to do this like you don't like and as a matter of fact this is like the fingerprinting this is basically fingerprinting the ecosystem of people in Chia that have NFTs and there was a lot of speculation that uh, Annoy Nation was doing this uh, because it could have been um, but if you own the server you keep IP logs of everybody and the associated time that it was open and boom you've got yourself a likely candidate for somebody that has nfts that they're viewing on chia i did not know this this is like super interesting to me um so i'm I'm just saying if you want to do fair distribution it's possible technically to Mm. do like provably fair distribution if you want to do something else don't necessarily call it like fair distribution like it's a sign up right now to a google sheet and that is like it's a sign up to a google sheet it's going to have flaws just like anything else and if you think google sheets can't be gamed Okay, I'm sure somebody's working on it right now. If it if it even turns into a manual gaming process, like somebody and their friends and a group of people somewhere will be like, "Let's do it on the like that." This will become their side project, and like that is the part of it that I think the distribution being fair, like you're saying, is critical to the success of this project. I think the art can be really fun. I am hoping that we see more ooze and vipers. Like that'd be really cool. And hawks, ooze, vipers, and hawks, because. I mean, this might be your one chance also to get something like a Time Lord. And like that is going to be, you know, pretty, co- that's super coveted right now. You're not going to get a Time Lord unless you, you know, spend a ton of XEH on it on the open markets. So this could be one of the chances for people to get into things they can't afford elsewhere out there. So mm-hmm. I am excited for that. I'm excited for more people being able to get into NFTs. So if they approach this right, if it is actually really fair and people have like there's a lot of people that might click their nft tab have nothing at all in there and so they just are like whatever like maybe and this thing shows up and then they start oh hey wow there's more information maybe there's a piece of you know content in the metadata that says hey go to this you know web web page and learn read about nfts here's your link to dexy so you can utilize this and actually make some xeh if you want to flip it like that is the kind of challenges that i think could grow the ecosystem in a meaningful way that is what i hope to see i that's hard though that's hard that's going to take talent that's going to take time and that's going to take preparation and i don't necessarily know that that's going to happen in this instance that's just Mm. my take on it we'll see Mm. yeah really interesting i'm excited to see i was i was talking with them a bit um and and i think that um because i was i was like curious i was asking some some uh, questions and and like giving some feedback and it seems like they're getting some data from space scan to kind of like aggregate um you know, okay, so, you know, let's, let's airdrop some to people that want to block in the last six months or whatever. So I think they're working with them to, to try and gather some data. But I also think they're going to like segregate different types of distribution. So there's going to be some that's airdrop to block winners, some that's through a puzzle, maybe, um, you know, this is all speculation, but, um, but yeah, so let, let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, it's 10,000 of them. That's a lot. That's It's going to be the next pretty much biggest project um, on Chia. So, You think it's going to be the next biggest project on Chia? Well, in terms of just numbers. So ten, no, no, no. there's going to be 10,000. number, you think the weekly volume will be above? I mean, it will for a while, but will it maintain is my question. Because we see this with every new Chia NFT project almost that has any community building going into it on launch. The number is like right under Chia friends, and then it creeps down. 
And like, that's almost universally been the, so you think it stays number two is what you're saying. Um, no, I, I, like, I think that in terms of just total, like there's 10,000 of these things, Mm -hmm. that's a big project. That's like a lot of NFTs to like throw out onto the market. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in other people launching 10,000 NFT collections though. I don't think it's wise, but we do have that. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard of them. Right. And, and, and I think that like there was a couple that were that big. Is there not? I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, oh, wait, you know, I think, um, no, if, if you know John of some, know. We, we need to have John, John would now, John, John, John on one of these soon. I think there is, but there might not be, but I notable, I, notable 10,000, the only no, notable no, 10,000. Now you're adding on notable, like I, just, just 10,000. There are others that are 10,000. So that's why, I mean, how good the execution is on the deliverables after the fact are going to make it. And that comes down to that distribution actually being fair, because if you look at one or two or three mega bags of it, then the, the, it's going to fall into the same kind of melu that we had with Chia friends in my estimation. I don't necessarily think, I mean, what it, here's me being like, I love being the, the devil's advocate on all this. And this mm-hmm. is interesting also, because usually you're the devil's advocate on things. So let me be the Chia friend again here. How does this change price? I mean, we're saying that one person bagging up a bunch of Chia friends was bad. What happened if the price collapsed and it wasn't that one person? That could have been a good thing, but it might have dropped support for people that really FOMO'd in early. Like, I know I FOMO'd in early at really high prices on some Chia friends. So, I mean, could that have provided floor support with whatever the person's doing that has a fair amount of them. We're pretty sure we don't necessarily hundred percent. It's very hard to tie this down, but we were like really very close to pretty sure that one person really swiped up a tremendous amount of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say that it's that person at least has a hundred of them, you know? Um, and, but like, yeah, I, I think that the, so what's, what's really interesting about free projects is that a market gets established and like the market decides what the price is rather than, okay, um, for Cheer Reapers, for example, they list for whatever price. I think it was like 0.2 or 0.4 or something like that. I and thought then, so they were th- 0.1 when they launched for Reapers. I think that no. was Hardy. I think that was Hardy. That price. was Hardy? Okay. Yeah. Um, regardless, there was yeah. an established price of, hey, this is the price out the gate. If you want to own one, this is the cost to that. And then from there, it goes up or down. And what we see, I think, a lot of times is like when there's additional airdrops, people list below that because they just want to get rid of them and they want to bag some XCH. That's fine. Um, but like, what if all of them get, get like distributed? So the only way you get one is if you somehow were able to get an airdrop or you solve the puzzle or something like that. And then now there's this market demand that gets established. And there's a lot of inefficiencies, I think, in a very early market in this way. So people don't know what it costs. And so, you know, people are buying, people are selling, and then slowly and slowly there starts to become this floor where, you know, there's this, this floor gets established. And then that's kind of what becomes the, the actual baseline. Um, well, and you got to be honest, a lot of actual floor control is usually executed by the project owners in many instances. That is something that seems to happen is sweeping. And so it, to say that it's not a normal market activity, sweeping is a normal market activity. It is whether fair, good, or, or a hindrance to the actual discovery of price is a really good question though. Like, does artificial floor, floor sweeping prop price? Let me ask you that question. 
I would say yes. Um, it, it like creates because like oftentimes I feel like you don't know what whether it's one person or a whole bunch of people just FOMOing into something. Um, but you know, I, I like I think that sweeping is fine. I think that that's natural. That's normal. Um, when you have a, such an illiquid market where, you know, the, the number of trades in a day are in the single digits, um, like, you know, like, especially for cheer friends, uh, like it, it, um, it's, it's easy to say, okay, let's pump this price a little bit. Now, actually with cheer friends, like the, like the floor is fat, it's thick. So like, if you wanted it, the floor to go from 0.34, which is what I think it currently is 0.32 or something like that, all the way to four, you're putting in a huge bag of XCH to, to, to get to that point. And then you have a whole bunch of K32s and Starlings, which it seems like those ones aren't as in high demand, right? Um, or some cyborgs, um, whatever, right? So, I mean, I, I think that it, with other projects, it's, it's easier to, inflate that price by just saying, okay, I'm going to sweep up from 0.5 XCH all the way to one XCH. That's a 50 or, or that's a 50% gain. And it might only cost you a couple XCH to do so depending on how thick the floor is. Right. Um, but I, I think that's all natural and that should be expected in this illiquid NFT market because we're talking about a floor price. What's the cheapest that you could get something for when in reality, there's all this stuff above it that, and there's activity above it too. Um, things aren't just selling at, for, at, at, at the, at the floor price. They're also selling, you know, in that middle range, that lower middle range, I feel like is, is a little bit hotter, you know, that the sub 10 XCH range, I think is like a pretty good sweet spot for where a lot of the activity happens. Um, but it's super interesting. And I think that there's subset of floors within a project. So like marmots, for example, you can look at only marmots and there's a floor price on just marmots, right? So you can pump the floor price of a certain type of, of a chia friend or a certain type of trait. Um, and I think it's very visible. It's very easy to identify that in chia friends. I think at least for me, like when I'm looking at them um, and I'm a chia friend maxi, um, just to let everyone know I have bags. I have a 20 XCH thing that I paid for. So <laughs> I do have vested interest in the price of, of two friends going up, just full disclosure. But, um, but yeah, so it's if really you look interesting. At the daily volume of number of trades. So I just added this up. I don't know when the day starts for Dexy. Uh, they're not based in the United States. So it might be, it might be a different. I think. It, so it just says, okay, right now, 24 hours prior, here's what the volume has been no matter what time. Really? 167 trades total in, in the, the week. Daily. No, daily. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I, I'm going to just take a look at this. This is interesting. OXCH. No, no, no. Daily trades. Party Monsters had 35, which actually that one looks like it's pretty fun. Maybe I buy it. Are you looking on Dexy? I'm looking on Dexy. Interesting. Unless I I I'm seeing different numbers. I'm not, maybe I added in something, but I'm definitely at a hundred plus. I mean, you can see 35 and then you see Bulldog on daily rank by daily volume. Is that what you're looking at? I'm going to share screen really quick just so that we can look at it together. Cause I think that this is some good information too. Like daily trades is the number I'm looking for here. All right. So you have daily trades. We have Chia Horse 66. Chia Friends has seven. Right. What? Why is yours different than? I'm doing rank by daily volume. This one? Yeah. And then look at the daily trades under that. Right. If you add those up, I'm getting 167. Got it. So all of these. Right. 
Got it. I thought you were just talking about cheer friends, and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would sorry, be exciting. I'm sorry. I think that we would like be uh, flipping out here. I agree. So, hey, We've got Chia Horse with 66 coming in here. I guess that one's a new one. And then we've got uh, Party Animals or Party Monsters down there with 35. So, I mean, there is a significant amount of interest in certain projects that is really initial. What happens a week from now for most of these is they're not the number two. Like right now, Chia Horse is number two. A week from now, will Chia Horse be number two? Is a, a, you know, I don't, I kind of don't think it'll be number two. That's not me trying to be brutal on the project or anything, but most aren't number two for very long. So I, my question for Chia foes versus Chia friends is, does it dilute market interest in Chia friends? Your take on that, sir? I think, I think it doesn't. Um, How does it not? Cause there's so little XCH transacted. Like people aren't, coming out the pockets with like massive amounts of XCH right now. So how does it not, if you're thinking I'm going to buy blank today, now maybe, maybe people sell the GFO and then they reinvest that. But I don't think that's what most people are going to do. So I, I, I think that GFOs are going to be a lot cheaper than GF friends out, out the gate. So you think so though, but I don't I think know. So. Like, I, I don't know. Are, how much cheaper do you think they're going to be? Have you asked? Well, they're going to be free. So the market's going to establish this. Um, Clearly and, you have a line of communication with the foes. So that's interesting in and of itself. Though. Well, they're free. So, I mean, yeah, but just in feedback on distribution and all that stuff. But like, I think that the market's going to establish it. And I think that, that there has been no project except for Chia Reapers that have gone above one XCH and sold out. Um, and so, I mean, Chia Reapers, I would argue is probably the Chia number two Reapers project. works it though, man. They like, work it they're not like just kind of oh we're here they're like freaking really invested in making it happen it seems like to me they are um and it shows right um and 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 but like my the distribution of traits is enticing also i found with that project i didn't feel like uh there's some like there's a couple things that i'm not but like most projects there's like 50 percent of them i'm just like no that one, there was maybe 10 or 15% that I was like, mm, not interested in that. So I think the actual like appeal to me was higher on like a psychological level. So that probably helped out the sizing of it, I thought was incredibly appropriate. So, yeah, I, th- I think that for me, what I'm looking at every, like, I'm just looking at, okay, what are the odds of GFOs being more expensive than Chia friends? And I think it's low oh, because, yeah. because it's, it's just, no, nothing I'll else has done that away from the number of people that are executing trades like th- that i'm talking about a drop in daily trades not a drop in actual price because i think like yeah. you, like you said there's a floor controlling entity out there some person group of people i don't know but somebody really is vested in maintaining that three uh, and three above floor on Shia friends but does that impact the number of actual trades that happen daily i don't know like there's only so yeah. many people like we mentioned there's only like what 200 best case PVP people for the most part in Shia. Like how do we grow that number is the real challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't know how this project grows that number unless it literally gets into the wallets of people who and like grows that number base. And I really hope that they can do that. That would be really cool to do to see. Me too. And, you know, I think it's in looking historically at projects, um, we often see, you know, how, how, like you were talking about this big FOMO, into like a project and then it kind of dies down and then it kind of settles out and plateaus at that like a, a chill steady what whatever it is um i think most go to zero 
That's my take now. Most trend down to darn near zero. It seems like after the fact, like especially if they don't sell out. Well, in the yeah, the other thing is like if I wanted to sell a lot of the NFTs that I hold right now, I could not. And I think that that's essentially the same thing as saying it's at zero because mm-hmm. there's no demand, so you're not going to sell it even at free. Yep. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but let's move we'll on to something less depressing here. I think there, uh, there's going to be some more interest in like the NFTs in Chia as we see community formation around other platform. And I think Twitter is the wrong platform for being, you know, the centric place of getting people interested geographically, very distributed, like interest groups are probably not even some places might not even be able to access Twitter. Discord, on the other hand, seems to be like the center of everything finance and like it's bizarre. Don't ask me to explain it, but like there are NFT people there. So I think getting people into NFTs on Discord is going to be way easier than through mass appeal on like Twitter or something like that. Yeah, I definitely think there's a place for Twitter, although whether or not it's the ideal place, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I've been, I've been working a little bit on a project, um, using Discord, actually. Um, when I'm, I'm not going to share any more details say, other than that. I can um, tell you folks, it is not my Discord server because he has not done very much on my Discord server, but I have taken a peek at what he's been working on and I am impressed. I think this is going to be really good. I am impressed. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, I, I think that it's important um, to have a place where where people in the Chia NFT ecosystem can come, hang out, um, and collaborate and build together um, and, you know, kind of utilize some, some, some tech to bring some utility to NFTs as well. Um, and so, you know, we've been... Um, kind of working together on building something. A um, lot of help from Seth. He's been incredible. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's all I really want to share. Um, but but yeah, so... Is this soon TM or is this soon? This is... I'm going to say soon. This is not soon TM. I'm, I'm going to say soon because it it uh, takes less... It's it's less pressure maybe. Um, there you go. But, but yeah, so I mean, there needs to be a central place where people can kind of go. And I feel like there's a whole bunch of different places. Um, and so, you know, maybe kind of bringing things together and utilizing some cool Chia NFT tech um, could be just a fun, fun, fun way to do that. Uh, but we'll see. Um, we will see. We will see. I'm excited. Uh, so let's uh, wrap this up here with that too much more. Is there anything else you want to talk about real quick or are you good? No, I think I'm good. We had a good time. All right. And everybody, you can hit me up at GoSpaceport on Twitter, the website, digitalspaceport.com, the store, shop.digitalspaceport.com. If you're interested in becoming a channel member, you can get a discount and that is at 3% or 5% based on the level you select. And Austin, drop where people can find you, man. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at abronswag. Um, that's about it. And Will you ever be disclosing your full bags of what NFT you own? Is there a display option where we can do that yet? Like maybe I soon TM. I, I, that one I, I'm really excited about having a nice display that we can be, like put it all out. There. But I do have a uh, DID on Mint Garden, Mint Garden. that yeah. has that has um, all my Chia friends. So if you wanted to take a look, you definitely can. You can see my bags. Um, I, I'm going to link to your 
I'm going to link that in the description yeah, below. Sure. Check out the Chia Friends bags that you're holding right now. And I just hope that there's a way to bulk move things at some point. Cause oh my gosh, there's a like, it's tough. Yeah. There's a lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, Later have a great day. day. See ya. Everybody, see you next time.